Hey, I feel very honored to uh, be back here. Uh, here for the first time, really. Uh, it is, uh, like Pastor Forrest said, my first time preaching in not my home church, which is a lot bigger step than I initially thought it would be. Um, however, it's I take comfort in knowing that I'd say a good 75 to 80 percent of the people here have uh, heard me preach before, you know, back at a good old messenger chapel, um, although I was quite a bit younger for uh, the majority of you when I was doing it, and so just to uh, make us all feel at home, um, show of hands, who's seen Jurassic Park? Okay, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding, no. Um, for those of you who don't know, when I was far, far younger, uh, back in my teen days, I did what at the time I called a sermon, uh, what I now call more of an outlandish skit, where I uh, reenacted Jurassic Park 3 um, for, um, for Youth Night. And it was a learning experience. I certainly won't do it again. I very vividly remember the face of my mother uh, looking at me, telling me to get down, get down. As I was like, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's a sermon. Because, you know, I, I threw a scripture in there at the end. Um, but it wasn't quite. And so uh, I, I left Messenger for a while, went to some other churches, and I came back, and I started preaching there again. And uh, I go up the first night, and uh, Pastor Darren pulls me aside, and he says, listen, I remember Jurassic Park. And I was like, okay. Okay, okay, I had that one coming. And he goes, I wasn't the pastor then, but I am now. So I have the power to pull you off that stage if you try something again. And uh, nothing quite puts the fear of God in you like hearing that right before you walk on stage. So, uh, tonight we will also kind of be talking about um, not just past me, but past all of us and future all of us. Because it's, it's the new year. And so, uh, I got a little new year nugget for you. Uh, this is my, my handy notebook. Only one person has seen the notes in here so far. And they threw it in the trash when they saw it. So, <laughs> we can only go uphill from there. Uh, tonight, we are going to be starting out in uh, Philippians 1, 6. That's the good old New Testament for you. Uh, let me know once, you've, uh, once you got there. Amen. That's fast. You should do some sword drills. Oh, okay. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, so, before I get into the scripture, I just want to take a moment and talk about uh, the tradition... We all do around New Year's, New Year's resolutions. Show of hands, how many people did a New Year's resolution this year? We got one. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, I personally, I never do a formal one, but I always, you know, look back on the year, New Year's, uh, New Year's Day, and try and think, you know, what can I do better next year? How can I improve myself? How can I, you know, take something away or add something to make myself a better person? And let me tell you, I don't remember the last time I kept one all year. I, I try and I try, uh, but for whatever reason, I've, I just can't seem to do it. I have um, a couple people that I watch that do you know, all their stuff in the entertainment field, and all of them said, oh, you know, haha, I failed all mine, we'll try again next year. And it got me thinking, I'm always failing mine, they're always failing theirs, so how many people actually keep their New Year's resolutions? 
uh, 7% of the people that make a New Year's resolution keep theirs. And it got me thinking, you know, we're, we, we know it's coming. Every year we do it, every year we fail. You think we'd learn from our mistakes, maybe set a more achievable goal or something of the sort. So why do we constantly fail our New Year's resolutions? Well, um, in short, my answer, we're human. We're going to mess up because we're not perfect. However, I happen to know someone who might just be, nay, is absolutely perfect. That's the Lord God, and he doesn't mess up. And also, he doesn't really make resolutions. Uh, what does he make? Revolutions. A little bit different. A, a resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. Firm decision. A revolution is a dramatic and wide-reaching change in the way something works. So it's taking whatever you had, breaking it apart, and rebuilding it and doing it completely different. So with that, I'm going to go on into uh, Philippians 1, 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good works within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, you might be working on yourself. Props to you if you are. If you have something you don't like and you want to fix, more power to go and try it. But at the same time you're doing that, God's trying to get a hold of your life and set you on his path for you. And I'm going to tell you now, that's a wee bit more important than whatever you want for yourself right now. Because God knows more. He's got a plan laid out for your life. So if you just submit to him and follow that plan, your resolutions aren't going to mean anything because you've got revolutions going on in your life when you get that complete 180 from your sinful living to your Christian walk of faith. Now, God's plan doesn't always happen in an instant. And it doesn't always make sense either. Uh, it reminds me of the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was told he was going to have a child. And he was like, great. That's perfect. I can, you know, I can pass on uh, my land and all. Father of many nations. Uh, but he was a little old. And so is his wife. They were, they were past the years to bear children. So, oh, it's okay. He knew what God meant. There's a little confusion. He got fixed, though. He didn't mean have a kid with his wife. He meant, you know, have a son with his, his, his handmaiden. So they had the kid. Um, Orango, though... He, he thought, you know, well, God gave me this perfect mold to fit in, but it seems that I can't quite fit, so I'm just going to move the mold a little bit, and then I can walk on through, and we'll make it nice and easy. And so he thought that, you know, he, he had it figured out, but he was just a little bit wrong. So what's God do? God shows up and makes a revolution through his life, a revolutionary change, and oh, this 90-year-old woman can now have a child, which is just not quite um, what you would expect. Uh, next, we're going to hop back to Joshua 14, 6 through 15. Uh, now, uh, this story here in Joshua is about, uh, it's a story of Caleb right after they spent the 40 years in the desert because they got a little scared of the promised land. Uh, but before we get into that little story, I'm going to tell you a personal story of mine that is a little bit similar. When I was much younger, uh, back in my Jurassic Park days, if you will, I went to the PCG summer camp at the ripe age of 13. I went when I was 12 uh, to the night services, and I saw what the teens were doing, and I loved it. And I wanted to be a part of it, but I was 12. I was not a teenager. 
but I was signed up for junior camp. So I sat back and I was like, all right, next week I'm going to go to camp and I'm going to get this and it's going to be perfect. And so I showed up to camp and uh, back when we did two split camps, uh, things were a little bit different. And the senior camp was very similar to what we do now for the seniors. Uh, the junior camp was the same time structure, but everything was toned down a lot. So to a 12-year-old who had just seen the teen camp and was expecting, you know, Josh Pennington up there spitting in my face, you know, prayer tunnels, going up and singing the same four songs every night was less than I expected. Not to say I didn't learn anything from it, because to this day, I can recite every book of the Bible in order because of a song I learned when I was 12 years old. So we all get something from it. It just wasn't quite the... Uh, the revolutionary event that I was expecting. So next year I go, I'm 13 and I go, and I'm laying down on the floor on the right stairwells, or right stairs in the carpet of Camp Mauer. And God gives me this vision of a small room with a bunch of kids in it, and they're all looking up at me, and I'm looking out at them, and I just hear in a soothing voice, you will lead them. And I was 13 years old, and so I was like, great. I'm going to, you know, be a youth pastor when I grow up. It's going to be fantastic. Smooth sailing from here because God's got a plan for my life. Um, smooth sailing is a little bit of an exaggeration as to what actually happened. But, um, you know, I never forgot that because something like that is something that gets a little engraved in your mind. So the years go by, and I, I keep going to these camps, and it's going great, and it's going good, and things are going. And then one year, I was 17 or 18, I went to that camp, and then I got back, and it was the weekend, and I was hanging out with some church friends from a different church, and they go, yeah, we're going to our summer camp at the same camp Monday, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to get off work, I've got to get a double dose, I've got to get two weeks of camp back to back, and so I did, and I went there, and I bonded with all these kids, and then afterwards, I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to go join their youth group for a bit, and you know, finish up my years as a teen. So I left Messenger Chapel, where I was previously going, and I went to that church, and I was, I was bonding with them. We were having good times. They were help strengthening me in my walk. I was strengthening them in theirs. Everything was going great. And then, like it does, the world came at me with the old promotion at work. And I was like, great, I can get paid more money to do the same job. No problem. Easy. So I took it, and they go, all right, we're going to train you Sunday mornings. And I was like, okay. Well, I can train Sunday mornings, and I can still make youth group Sunday night. Not ideal, but I can make it happen. And because I was flexible, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I know I said I can't work Sundays, but I guess I will. They took it a little further. And then by the end of my training, they're like, well, we need someone to work the 11 o'clock Sunday to 8 o'clock Sunday shift. Uh, you just got hired, and you can do it. You're flexible. And so I was like, okay. And I compromised again. I was like, well, I can, I can go catch up with them on Wednesdays. It's fine. Everything will be okay. And so I stopped going to church Sunday mornings, and I stopped going to youth group Sunday night. And then before you know it, I stopped going on Wednesdays. And I would still talk to them every now and then, but I could feel myself getting a little disconnected. And it was a struggle for me. And then everything sort of climaxed when I got a, an alert one day on my phone, and it said they had removed me from the group chat, which to an adult, okay. It's a big deal. I'm not getting texts. But to, you know, 18-year-old me, I just got removed from a church youth group group chat, and it was, like, devastating to me. And so for a moment there in my life, I was like, okay, 
well, maybe God did his thing with me. Maybe, you know, I had my church experience. I helped out the kids that I could, but now I'm done. I mean, how do you come back from being removed from a group chat? And it just, it was crazy. I, there was no way anything was ever going to come now. Like, that was the end. God can't, you know, move past removing you in a group chat. All he can do is move mountains, you know. It doesn't get better than that. So for a while, I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just wait and see what happens then. A couple of years down the road, I'm not even living in Richmond anymore. I've moved out to Gladstone. I've got my own apartment. I'm working all the time. Got a new job. Not working at Sonic anymore. And then out of the blue, no invitation, no request. I just sitting at home one day and I go, you know what? It's a Wednesday night and I've got nothing better to do. I'm going to go give old Messenger Chapel a visit. So I, I head down there, and I sit in the back. Oh, okay, now yeah, I remember this. A little nostalgia setting in, you know. Oh, okay, I've been here before. And then wouldn't you know it, that was the middle of the summer. Summer ended. And um, Abby, Darren's uh, middle child, was running the computer. She had to go back to college, so they had no one to run their sound system overall anymore or their lyrics on the screen. And I was like, well, when I was 13, I knew how to do it. And I did it for five years. I guess I can fall back into that since I'm here. I guess I'll help out. And so I started doing that again. And I'm like, okay, I got burnt out doing this, you know, four years ago. I just got to pace myself. You know, I, I can't put my all into it. I just have to kind of halfway do it. And uh, wouldn't you know, that's not quite how it works. Uh, when you start to dabble a little bit back in, you'll just get sucked right in like a whirlpool. And so there I am, you know, doing this computer thing, and I'm just helping out. Someone will take over. This is a part-time position. And before you know it, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can, you know, fix the lyrics while I'm at it. You know, while I'm here. I, I know how to type. I can add some lyrics in. And I was like, oh, that guitar is a little loud and off-key. Maybe I'll just slide some knobs over here and, uh, you know, help out while I can. And then one day, they go to order some new Sunday school material. And, uh, you know, they were ordering, and they were ordering, and I was like, you know, I can't help but notice, just sitting in the back here, you know, uh, we don't have a youth program. I know we don't have any youth, but we, we don't have a program set up if we did have them either. So, I mean, what's, what's the deal? And they're like, what are you saying? And I was like, well, I mean, if you, if you want rain, you prepared the field. You can't just have a bland field and then just say, all right, rain. And then once it starts raining, I'll go throw some corn out there. No, you got to get it ready. And um, before I know it, that conversation turned into, well, would you like to be the youth pastor here? And there's that, uh, that little image in my head again. And I was like, oh, so, so we're circling back then. We're going to go full 360. Okay, sure, I'm ready. I'll be a youth pastor. And so I stepped into the position, and I was ready for next week. There's going to be 20 kids in there, and I was going to teach every one of them, and they were going to come out with their lives changed, and they were going to be the best-behaved children of all time, and everything was going to be perfect. Yeah. And wouldn't you know, that ain't how it works either. So I got my curriculum, and I went downstairs for my first week as the youth pastor, and it was me, Pastor Darren, and a couple empty chairs. And so I grabbed my curriculum and I taught my head pastor a uh, ages 8 through 12 curriculum that day. And uh, let me tell you, that stuck with me too. It was about all the prophecies that proved that Jesus was the Messiah. And this year, 
I preached that sermon. I took it all. I was like, all right, we're going to make this into something for adults. And I went forward before all the elders that I grew up in that had seen me do Jurassic Park. And I said, hey, here is an adult sermon for you. And uh, let me tell you what, that was also pretty daunting. And so I did that, and I was like, okay, well, God, you, you got me a youth pastor. I'm, I'm the youth pastor, cool, but there's not any kids. I don't really know what you want me to do. I'm just not going to teach you any lessons because there's no kids. And wouldn't you know, God did not like that idea either. Yeah. So uh, before you knew it, I am now the adult Sunday school teacher of Messenger Chapel. So every Sunday morning I show up with my adult curriculum and try and teach a class to uh, the elders of my church who show up. And nothing is quite as terrifying as sitting in front of a group of people who saw you just make a, make a fool out of yourself up in the, the front of the church and now you're like, all right, I'm teaching you this curriculum. Amen. And it's just... It's amazing to me looking back at how I was just this young child with a hint of an idea of what God had planned for my life. And as I went through, I was like, okay, well, this is who I am and this is what I can do. So I'm just going to kind of push the mold to make myself fit through it. Little did I know that the mold is set in stone. I'm just clay and he's the potter trying to fit me through it. And so that leads us over here to uh, Joshua 14, 6 through 15. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the lands of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised to me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be the grant of land and that your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord kept me alive as well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the desert. Today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill of the country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as a portion of his land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, like I said, I was 13, I'm now 21, and I'm finally starting to let God mold me instead of trying to do the opposite way around. So, that's a little less than 10 years. My entire life, 21 years, if you double my lifespan and then add a few more years. That's how long that Caleb's waiting for this to be fulfilled. 45 years. And mind you, this wasn't, you know, sitting back in the easy chair drinking sodas for 45 years. This was wandering through a desert for 45 years. I couldn't wait 10 years before I was like, well, I don't know if God had this one right. Maybe I should start trying to change some things around. And he's waiting for 45 years through the desert to get what God has promised him. So... 
it makes me wonder, maybe today, maybe this year, you're, you're tired. You're close to giving up. We just went through, we're still going through a pandemic worldwide. Maybe things are just a little tough in your life, and you're starting to think, maybe God forgot. Maybe, maybe he didn't see this coming. Maybe things are starting to change now. Maybe you just kind of got knocked back a little bit. You lost some promises. You just feel abandoned. I'm here tonight to tell you, God's not done with you yet. It might seem dark right now. And you might be in a dark place yourself. But as they said out in the revival back in September, it's darkest before the dawn. Midnight only lasts for a second. You're almost through it. You can't give up now. You have to keep praying. You have to keep fighting. You got to keep fasting. Every day you have to rededicate yourself to God and remind yourself of that promise he gave you. And you have to keep fighting for it and you have to keep praying with him and walking towards it. You can't just give up because it's coming. It might take 45 years and it might be a struggle while you're going, but what God has promised you, no man can take away. You're on your way. You can't give up now. So... Uh, that is all I had prepared for you tonight. Uh, it is a little bit longer than I expected, so uh, there you go for that. Uh, without any further ado, I guess I'll invite uh, Pastor Force to come on back up and dismiss you. <laughs>